pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 315. Today I'm going to chat with Gabriella Hoffman, discuss the ATF backing down on one FFL revocation, highlight the vanquish from Angst Arms, and talk about how my dog Peaches got banned from Petco. I am your host, Ava Flanell. Gabriella, how are you doing? I'm good. It's great to be back on, Ava. I know. So for those who... Well, I'm, I'm just going to fill in listeners. I did not have my act together this week. I fly out tomorrow to go to TriggerCon and I, you know how like your days just get the best of you and you're like, oh wow, it's already Wednesday. I leave tomorrow. I didn't have any time to record and I should have, you know, probably uh, scheduled this a little bit sooner, but I waited till the last minute and then you popped up my no- my newsfeed and I was like, you know what? You always make an awesome guest. And I was like, I'm just going to have you come on. I do appreciate you coming on last minute and you're going to fill us in on everything that's going on in politics. But before we start talking about that, the show is sponsored by BSF Barrels. BSF Barrels makes some amazing carbon fiber tension barrels to upgrade your ARs, but they also have new bolt carrier groups as well. They have the BCGs for both the AR-15s and AR-10s and either black nitride or nickel boron finishes to choose from. In the AR-15, you can get them for like your standard 5.56 300 blackout as well as 6.5 Grendel and 9mm ranging from like 169 to 189, depending on the finish, which is pretty good for a quality BCG. And then the AR-10 platform, they range anywhere from 189 to 229, which is even more competitive for a good, you know, AR-10 BCG. But also if you guys use the code ELITE15, all one word, so that's E-L-I-T-E-1-5, you're going to get 15% off and that is the entire order. And you can find that at bsfbarrels.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry. Gabriella, before we start talking about politics and everything that's going on in the world, fill us in on what you've been up to since you were here last, which I'm trying to think even the last time that you were on the show. I don't think it was that long ago, but I mean, at least six months. Okay. Probably springtime. Okay. So it's been a while. Yeah. And you've covered a lot of stuff. I'm, you know, I'm constantly seeing you pop up on social media, Twitter, all that good stuff. You've made a lot of appearances on news platforms and stuff like that, but fill us in on, you know, some of those like major highlights. Yeah. I've been doing a lot. I feel like I'm doing too much even, (laughs) and I need to catch myself and and take a break. And I'm slowly easing into, <laughs> I would say, a slow fall time I'm just, uh, period. It's just this I'm, year has been so busy, but well, a good, good problem to have. I'm laughing, though, because you're like, I need to, you know, calm down and take a break as I'm like, hey, what are you doing right now in the next 10 minutes? Want to jump on my show? <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm also laughing because I'm like, well, you sound like me. <laughs> we're, we're very similar. We're, we'll have last minute stuff, lots going on. And I'm traveling too, but tomorrow, but I have some time. So I'm I'm happy to chat with you, of course. But no, I've, I've been doing a lot. I haven't been doing enough of shooting. I haven't been going to the range, unfortunately. And I hate saying that on a gun-themed podcast, but that's the truth. And I'm going to be honest. 
but I haven't lost my spark. I don't lose my spark even when I'm away from the range. I still have a lot of muscle memory, but I need to go to the range and I need to finally shoot my <laughs> my uh, uh, partial custom build AR that I built last fall. Oh, wow. um, it's been sitting sitting in my closet, uh, actually rather it's case for a while, but I've just been busy traveling and I want to like shoot it with some friends and they've been really busy and they're like, we're going to do this in the fall time. So maybe during this downtime, I'm going to actually go to the range, especially outdoor ranges or friends who have properties where I can shoot no problem yeah. uh, with targets and all that. Have you done so any hunting I'm, at all? Not really. I mean, I've been doing a lot of fishing, but yes, I have some plans for hunting this fall because we have a lot of deer in Virginia and they need to be managed. So I talked to one of my friends, some guy I've known in politics for a long time. I went to his and his wife's house recently. We helped their kids how to learn how to rather or, or teach them or remind them how to do mushroom hunting, my dad and I. And they were like, well, we were talking about hunting and, and that came up in conversation. And then they said, well, we have a friend who has too many deer. Why don't you guys come and help us? And I'm like, yeah, because we don't have property to hunt like acres upon acres of property. It's really hard in these kind of more private land states like out east. Unlike, you know, in Colorado where you can go on public lands and access stuff there more easily, but it's kind of harder to access it here. So I have contingent plans <laughs> to go hunting in like a county, the next door county to mine. And it's kind of on the outskirts of like Northern Virginia towards West Virginia, maybe at most like hour 20 minutes, hour 30. So it's perfect distance. I don't have to wake up at crazy early hours, like three or two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I can maybe wake up at like 430, five o'clock and get there right on time. Uh, half an hour before sunrise. So I do have some plans for hunting, a little bit of fishing, but I've been doing a lot of fishing. And I went to Alaska uh, this summer for the first time and I loved it. It was such a unique place. And over there, they're gun loving, gun toting folks. Um, yeah. You tell them about gun control and, <laughs> and they'll they'll be very angry seeing what's happening in the lower 48 with respect to that. But they they have a reverence for the shooting sports culture, obviously they do it a lot for hunting, but they also respect the Second Amendment. And I don't see any problems happening there up north with people trying to change that because it's so ingrained in their culture. You need to have a weapon if you're living in you know, a very secluded region, uh, even in town, too. Their, their towns are not as you know sparsely populated like a Denver or a Washington, D.C., but they still even carry <laughs> in Anchorage and, and Juneau and all these other towns. That's in amazing. Alaska. So no, it was really cool just to learn about what was going on there. I, I do a lot, as I mentioned to you before, a lot kind of like in the environmental space, and mm -hmm. there's a little bit with guns involved in conservation. And so for one of my other projects or one of my projects, client projects, I was filming a few videos for our Conservation Nation series. So my travels took me to Alaska. So we learned about kind of how they do things there about, you know, energy, and how they contrast it with economic development. So it was really fascinating to see that at play, but I got to see like a grizzly bear or rather two. Wow. I got to see a bull moose. I mean, it was such a beautiful time. Like I didn't get to go to many national parks except for Mendenhall Glacier, which is not exactly a national park. It's part of the U.S. Forest Service, but it's public lands. Super cool. I never had seen a glacier before. Did a lot of walking and hiking, not in bear territory, thankfully, but in like very heavily trafficked places where you wouldn't get lost or really much encounter a wildlife species or anything of that sort, like an apex predator. Like you would, let's say, if you went into like some forests in Colorado or, you know, to towards the Yellowstone or somewhere like that, where there are so many bears in, in terms of density. But I really love that. So that was one thing that I thought was really cool to do. And I've been doing a lot of public speaking. Have I had a lot of requests? Um, some TV, 
mostly for things not really related to guns. I haven't really commented on guns that much except for, you know, posting tweets or, or talking about certain issues on my podcast. But I haven't really been invited to speak about guns on TV or other formats quite yet because they usually default to like their go-to people. There are so many people who can speak to this, which is a good problem mm-hmm. that our side now has. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll talk more about it in the future, but I've done a lot of writing and I would say podcasting about it. So yeah, I mean, I've been traveling, I oh gosh, so many places. Like I went back to San Diego, I went to Chicago, I went to all sorts of different places. I think since we last spoke, it's hard to keep track. And I just returned from the Great Smoky Mountains, which is a beautiful part of the country too. And unbeknownst to me, I always thought like Grand Canyon or some other park out West was the most visited No, Great Smoky Mountains has three times as many visitors, especially in recent years, compared to some of the more, you know, well-known places, even more than Rocky Mountain National Park. So I was really surprised to see that. But I understand why you don't have to pay an entry fee. (laughs) You pay a parking pass, which is like a fraction of the cost, but it's very easy to access. It's right on, you know, the eastern seaboard in the United States. And it's very easy to access if you live in Virginia or Ohio or Pennsylvania, what have you, southern states really easy to access by driving or flying into like Knoxville. And so it was just really nice to be there and spend as much time outdoors as I did. I went to the Biltmore. I learned about some cool conservation history there. Beautiful house too. So I got to see a lot of like Appalachia, uh, Great Smoky Mountains, did some sort of like walks when you have to take ski lifts to go up to two particular like attractions there. One is called like Gatlinburg Sky Park and the other is Anakista, which is more like a theme park. I'm not really into theme parks that much, but they had some rides that you could do on this hilltop, but both were really cool attractions. So I had a really good vacation wow. <laughs> amidst all my travel yeah. and I have a few things coming up. I'm going to, as of our recording, I'm going to Texas to do a lands policy conference that I'm heavily involved with. I, I did it last year and I'm working with them again this year, presiding over a panel with the chairman of the subcommittee on federal lands, Tom Tiffany of Wisconsin, who's really good on gun issues too. And then I am going to be testifying before a state legislature, not on guns, but on uh, private property rights and, you know, land and, and all that. So it's kind of a cool opportunity. I'll reveal where closer to to the date next week when I do it. It's going to be September 27th, but I'll have my first chance like you did uh, when you went to the Colorado House to, to testify. Everyone has told me, like, how come you haven't testified before a legislature? I've had an opportunity. I was really close. I was prepared to do it. And then I was told. Right. As I was going to go sit down and give my testimony that they're moving the bill to the next cycle. Wow! <laughs> so now I get my real chance to talk before a committee. And this is um, more like a special committee. So I don't have any I don't have to worry about any sh- shifting of schedules or anything of that sort. But it's still a committee testimonial kind of format. So a lot of cool stuff happening. And then I get a little break, as I alluded to, which I'll hopefully do some, you know, outdoorsy activities, hopefully get back to shooting more because I need to prep for hunting and even just, you know, sharpen my target shooting skills as well, because it doesn't hurt to do that more often. Mm -hmm. And then I have some after Thanksgiving is, I think, when my travel schedule will pick up again, but they're fun, like conferences I have to go to, like one is outdoorsy themed involving shooting sports in Delaware. And then another is kind of like policy conference, more so for like agriculture conservation issues. And, but they don't talk about guns, which I'm surprised about, but they support the second amendment. I'm going to Scottsdale, Arizona. So that's like a snapshot of what I'm doing I'm in the midst of like trying to follow all this news. But I'm really excited, Ava, that we can talk about what's happening on the gun policy side, because it seems like it's an endless stream of really bad stuff mm-hmm. amidst the occasional good stuff. So I'm, I'm really happy to break it down with you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. So I am going to come back to something that you said, uh, if we have some time, which was mushroom hunting, which is something that I've dipped yes. into in the last couple of weeks. And I was like, what? As soon as you said that I had like, you know, my, <laughs> my head perked up a little bit like, oh, okay. Now you're on my level, you know? But if we have time, I'm going to come back and talk to you about oh, that. Oh, heck yeah. But, um, Foraging is good for survival. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's that's exactly how I feel as well. I talked about this on my new podcast, Pew Pew Panel. I you know, highlighted it, uh, I think, the last show. But everything that's going on in New Mexico and have the governor, she placed a 30-day carry ban. And you know, the public, everybody went up in arms, even people that were, you know, Typically anti-gun, like David Hogg and uh, some of the other uh, Democrats and stuff, they were just like, uh, this is way overreach. But there's been some stuff that has kind of unfolded. Do you want to just kind of maybe touch upon some of that stuff that's been going on? Yeah. So the reaction has been very interesting. And I don't know if from the anti-gun side, if it's deliberate to be like, we promise we're not for disarmament. So they're trying to like go ahead of the governor of New Mexico and reassure people like, we don't want to confiscate guns. We're just for gun safety. That's, so I think they didn't yeah. message. They didn't like construe a message or construct a message to respond to this because um, people think that, you know, their approach is moderate, but it's not. But I don't think they mean tested <laughs> uh, this type of proposal using health emergencies. So I think they're scrambling and they're nervous that if others who are for gun control do measures like this, it could actually really hurt their credibility. Their credibility is already hurt because more and more people are buying guns. They're seeing through their lies. They're seeing through the policies and they see that you're emboldening criminals. You're not helping people um, who are victimized by crimes involving the you know usage of guns used in a very bad manner. Mm -hmm. And so people can see through gun control and it's, it's faults and it's many, many like hypocrisies associated with it. So for them to jump ahead and, and come out against the governor of New Mexico was interesting to me, but I think it's strategic. I think they were not prepared for stuff like this because they're like, how do we respond? How do we respond? Oh my gosh, no, 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 we're not like this, Yeah, but we are for disarmament, just not this kind of disarmament yet. So color me skeptical in terms of that. But as to your question about what the update is, so because the response has been so bad, none of the law enforcement there on the ground in the counties in uh, Albuquerque itself and also the surrounding county, the law enforcement officers there have said, no, we're not going to enforce this. Even her attorney general, who is very much, you know, an acolyte of gun control activism, he said, I can't enforce this. This is unconstitutional. So everyone around her has said this is unenforceable. Law enforcement has repudiated her. We didn't really see a response much, I would say, from the New Mexico delegation like Congress or Senate. I don't remember seeing either of the two U.S. senators say anything much about it. Maybe someone listening can correct me and, and point to to their statements. But none of their congressional delegation really said anything. But statewide, the Democrats and or anti-gunners, but I repeat myself, um, in a place like New Mexico, they were very startled that she did this in response to this because they saw that this wouldn't prevent crime, especially in I want to caveat this by saying, like, it's horrific what's happening in New Mexico. And this is because of their really soft on crime policies. And she decided that we're going to target people, concealed carry holders who are the most law abiding people, mm -hmm. because I have a feeling that I need to do this. Like, I need to act on this. So her impulsive decision, because she felt a certain way, not being guided by a law or constitutional principles. That's, I think, what really stoked a lot of fire, even within her own party and even within her own administration. And so um, since then, because she got so much blowback all across the board, 
uh, from opponents of hers and even her supporters and people in her administration and who kind of um, oversee her or, or in the similar jurisdiction in Albuquerque or Santa Fe, because Santa Fe is the capital, not Albuquerque. Or maybe Albuquerque is, I forget. One of those two <laughs> is the capital. I think Albuquerque is the capital now that I think of it. But either way, in the major cities, New Mexico is seeing surging crime. So she said, okay, okay, I surrender, I surrender. And I'm going to instead shift my order, my public health order, where it's going to be a prohibition. I believe it's still 30 days under the guise of a public health emergency, but it's not going to be a full out ban on open and concealed carry outrightly. It is going to be, I believe I understood it to be in public parks and maybe publicly held spaces like that are managed by the government, like a government building. You can't do it um, if they don't already have a prohibition. I feel like New Mexico passed a prohibition of carry within government buildings. But if they didn't, I think this is what this new order did. But she toned it down a bit because she knew it was unenforceable. And the judge repudiated her, too. I think there was a temporary injunction filed and placed in one of the justices there or one of the judges rather put a temporary block on her order so that's what prompted her to tone down the order in general so we'll see what happens from that machination but she got caught she now is on record there's a lot of film out there circulating of her saying i had the need to do this i needed to do this because i felt a need to not because you know i followed my oath to follow the constitution so that's going to be used in a political ad mm-hmm. against her because she is up for re-election I think, or no, no, she's actually term limited. That's right. So she can like cruise along and like leave office. No problem. Very soon. I think 22, she was reelected. So 26 is when she'll be term limited. So she has no repercussions, but if she had national aspirations, I think she's done for Yeah. Um, because Democrats will say, or the anti-gunners will say, well, sorry, you're too much of a liability. You expose too much of our agenda. Exactly. So like, please go hide after you're done with your governorship. I don't know if it has any effects on New Mexico politically, if they're going to elect more pro-gun legislators. It used to be a pro-gun state, but they have shifted kind of like Colorado. I think even more drastically than Colorado, I feel like um, they've shifted way, way, way more than Colorado has, even in such a short amount of time. Because Colorado's shift was a little more gradual, as you know. But New Mexico, like quickly after they got rid of their Republican governor, and I don't know if she was perfect on the Second Amendment. She could have been a little weak need too. But you didn't see this under her, but since it was, you know, this new governor and then they now have a anti-gun majority in New Mexico. So it's it's had a lot of shifts. So I wonder if it is going to trigger perhaps a change in who is elected to statewide politics. If the pro-gun causes and groups can galvanize support across the state, it mm-hmm. may be hard to overcome, you know, Santa Fe, Albuquerque and certain other pockets where you know, like the moms demand action groups and the gun control interests really do have a holdover because they have ingrained themselves there very strategically. That's what these groups do, unfortunately. So I would love to see kind of New Mexico bounce back from this and like elect yeah. pro-gun majorities in response to her orders. Like this is the perfect opportunity to do that. Does it happen? It remains to be seen. Yeah. So it, it's an interesting case study. It was not ready for prime time. And that's why a lot of these gun control activists were panicking and saying, mm. like, we're not for this. We're for other forms of disarmament. Just but kidding. We're not for this. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to take a quick break. Talk about Gators iPro. Pro. 
all Gators lenses are safety rated, so they're good for shooting, but they also look great off the range too. They also have the mil-spec ballistic lenses that are rated to take a hit from a 15 caliber projectile at 700 feet per second without cracking, which is pretty impressive. Basically, that means like a high speed ricochet can hit it like the actual, you know, lenses and it won't crack. They're also easy to custom fit so that they fit your head. Like if you have a head that's a little bit bigger than usual or smaller, or for me, I always like raise the nose pieces up a little bit so that the glasses aren't like sitting right on my cheeks because I feel like I have higher cheekbones. Really, any of these glasses uh, will be perfect for anyone. If you want to check them out, use the URL gators, G-A-T-O-R-Z.com forward slash Ava, A-V-A, and just using that link is going to get you 15% off your entire order. Also, let's talk about, I've also touched upon this uh, in previous shows, but the Bipartisan Safety Communities Act, which was also kind of a slap in the face and, you know, seemed great on paper until it passed. And uh, even Republicans are, you know, regretting voting on this, which defunds a lot of school activities such as archery hunting and a lot of other shooting sport programs. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yes, it's been really interesting to see the fallout from that bill. And you know this, and all of us who were against the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act knew there's something that stinks to high heaven about this proposal. It sounds great. You read the details, you flesh out the information from it, and you're like, oh, this is giving the other side an inch. And it's not, you know, a default position I want to take. I want to be open minded. Okay, maybe. You know, maybe they have some good proposals, but given the era we're in, you have to not have a positive viewer, kind of an optimistic outlook. Unfortunately, you don't you're not dealing with honest brokers, especially on the anti-gun side, unfortunately. And their motivation to stop gun violence comes with disarming people in the process. And that's not how you do it. Mm -hmm. And so I had a suspicion that this would be a consequence of it, but it really has no bearing to the bill, like that's what a lot of the supporters had argued. And so you see like, where do they make a connection to defund schools? And so in like, this is like education policy, which is a little deviating from your podcast and even stuff I handle on a regular basis. But from my understanding, they found a loophole through like education policy, longstanding education policy. And we're like, oh, there's a provision for dangerous weapons. And we need to change this and include, you know, archery, hunting and shooting sports tools because these are dangerous and they're going to propagate gun violence. And so that is what has led a lot of Democrats, even like Republicans, to say, whoa, we didn't vote for this to have this as a result. This was not what our intention behind supporting this, you know, moderate good bill, gun safety bill, you know, providing, you know, greater measures for stopping, you know, prohibited possessors. And others, you know, from obtaining guns or promoting overall wellness and safety. And so this has received a lot of bipartisan blowback. But this is what is typically expected of legislation, where you're promising to promote gun safety and you have an administration who maybe is not acting in good faith and they're not. And maybe some of these Democrats are well-intentioned. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Uh, through this effort, they thought like going into this that it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to curb any rights. And we were reassured that you're not going to lose anything. Nothing's going to happen to you. And so if they were caught off guard, maybe it's going to teach them a lesson to not go ahead with legislation because you have an administration that is even more extreme than some of these members of Congress. And I think the administration is pushing a lot of these Democrats, some of them in moderate districts or states, to support legislation like this because you need to toe the line. You are for you know gun violence. If you don't, that's their kind of argument there. 
And so it's had a lot of blowback. You see several bills now being introduced. One from Congressman Mark Green of Tennessee, I think is the one that's going to gain more traction. And I interviewed him on my podcast and he was not a supporter of the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. He knew it would have unintended or intended consequences like this because he's a supporter of the Second Amendment. He understands like not giving an inch, Mm -hmm. especially to people who are not honest brokers or are aligned with Moms Demand Action and other groups that were endorsing this piece of legislation. And so he said that uh, I said I probed him. I was like, so your Democratic colleagues, have they talked to their allies in the administration and the Department of Education? What has been the conversations there? And to me, it sounded like he like they were not in agreement with what the Department of Education did. They were frustrated because they knew it's such an extreme position. So they don't know how to respond and they don't know like what to do. So they're all supporting a different or rather they're supporting legislation right now. I, I had heard from Congressman Green. He said that his bill passed out of committee in the Education and Workforce Committee with unanimous support with both Democrats and Republicans. And he v- believes that his bill to restore funding, what was previously set aside and appropriated for school archery, hunting and shooting sports programs, he believes that full funding could be restored if he gets overwhelming bipartisan support. And even if there was bipartisan support across both the Senate and the House, which I think there will be, I think we'll see Congress possibly vote to restore funding. The problem is Biden, anytime there has been a veto over certain policies, and there have been a couple uh, attempts to do a veto override, or rather do a veto of the president's bill. So anytime they try to do that, the president gets the bill at his desk and he does a veto override. And so we may see Congress try to put a check on the president but he's, you know, exacting and, and kind of asserting himself with extra authority as an executive that he doesn't have to craft legislation and, and sidestepping, you know, Congress's job. Like Congress is supposed to be making laws, not him. And so we could see movement in Congress with Congressman Green's bill, get a lot of bipartisan support, but it still could be killed essentially by the president because you know, he's more beholden to gun control interests over reasonable policies, like teaching kids how to safely use firearms and archery equipment. (laughs) Isn't that the goal of gun safety, like to teach kids and everyone how to use these tools in a safe and responsible way? And Mm -hmm. you probably to discuss this, but this program is so good. It's, it's really inclusive of all types of kids, regardless of background, their height, their weight, their shape, their socioeconomic status. Like you read into what these programs have done for kids. It's kept them out of crime and out of like bad situations. It teaches them responsibility. They go on to do maybe careers in in the shooting sports or hunting industry, archery, what have you. They become better attuned to society. They're less depressed. They're less unhappy. They have an activity that they can harness and learn and take valuable skills into their life. And so they're taking away good programs. And and look, I'm as limited government as I can be, but since there has been longstanding you know, funding for this, I'm like, okay, maybe I'll give a pass, you know, and, and, and give an exception here because that program has shown to do a lot of wonders to kids and, and kids today are distracted by so many things, negative influences, questionable course material, and they're getting rid of a program that actually offers some stability, mm-hmm. offers some, you know, calmness and responsibilities and, and useful skills to apply elsewhere whether it's for home defense or like I said, a professional career or recreation or what have you. And it teaches them to respect their surroundings more and not want to use guns or any weapon in an irresponsible manner. So it says a lot that they did this, not surprising given the age we're in 
Do we see a restoration of funds? I would love to. Personally speaking, I hope so, but I'm not optimistic because we've seen the president do veto overrides before anytime there's has been like course correction by Congress. So this may be if, if he doesn't allow for the restoration of funding, I do see lawsuits in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know why a lot of schools, I mean, just in general, don't teach just gun safety. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about how many accidents that would have solved if they just taught even just like the four basic rules of gun safety. Mm-hmm. It's so to see them, you know, try to do this, but hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, this all goes through. He doesn't override it, which would be, you know, again, it wouldn't be surprising, but I'm going to take another quick break and talk about Mantis. If you guys are looking to take your training to the next level, this would actually be really great for like children too, who, you know, maybe you're teaching them gun safety, but you're not ready to have them use an actual gun yet. Uh, I would recommend the Laser Academy. It's a really great way to train affordably and safely indoors. Their standard kit comes with a choice of calibers for the laser, a carrying case, two tripods and phone holders, target stands, and all that good stuff for $150. Or you could just get the portable kit for just $99. It gives you everything you need to practice with a smartphone app and improve your skills without the cost of ammo. Their system's probably the most robust that I've seen, and it gives you a ton of insights on your shooting. It gives you tips on what you're doing wrong, like you know maybe too much trigger finger, you're anticipating the shot, you're pulling that trigger too hard, you're slapping it, whatever. And then it also uh, shows your movement as well. It has lots of different drill options, 14 different modes, including like dual mode for friendly competition and so forth. Check it out, mantisx.com. And then lastly, uh, there was one other topic that I wanted to cover, and that was California passes the first gun violence bill, which is levying an additional 10 to 11 percent excise tax on guns and ammo. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they love to do these like, experimental I know, kind of just pilot programs for that alone. I mean, I California is a beautiful state. Like, I'm not going to knock it, but the politics alone is horrendous. And then the fact it that is, I escaped it. I know. I know. And then the <laughs> fact that what, but what gets me is like, you know, like states like New Mexico and Colorado, like all these people from California are leaving. They're fleeing California, but then they're taking their politics with them. And it's like, you're just you're ruining all these other states as well. And it's just so frustrating. But can you tell us a little bit about what this gun violence bill is all about? Yes, I believe it is Assembly Bill 28 and just passed both chambers and Governor Newsom has until October 14th to sign this into law. This would be the first in the nation type of thing. And it's essentially a poll tax. And it, if it becomes law, it would impose a 11 percent actually excise tax making it the highest excise tax imposed by the federal government on guns. And they are saying that this is going to be good. It's going to stop gun violence. It's going to, you know, prevent any crime and and have this. But on the flip side of this, like we know, gun control legislation will not have any impact. And in California, it's, it's interesting. There's been an inverse relationship. Anytime they've enacted gun control, it seems like crime has gone up precipitously. Mm -hmm. I've noticed this like, and, and even anecdotally, I will see news blotters from my hometown in Orange County. I still follow the OC Register and some of the Southern California papers. I follow what happens in NorCal, too. And it seems like 
I've noticed that crime in like my area, like what used to be known as Reagan country, Oregon or uh, Orange County is really, really conservative by, you know, California measures. And I have seen more crime in the safest part of my county, like the areas I used to go to and frequent with my friends that you would never envision crime to happen at. You see crime happening now at like the fanciest mall, South Coast Plaza. You see people having, you know, theft of cars in like Newport Beach or, or, you know, being attacked by homeless people or something of that nature or shootings that happen, mass shootings happening in different places, churches, other venues that would never have happened before. And I think it's a correlation between the passage of these gun control bills because these people know they're not going to be prosecuted much. They're usually let off the hook. They have very little penalties for people who perpetrate mass shootings, which is funny because gun control, you think, oh, it's supposed to deter and punish people who commit crimes involving guns. No, like they usually get scot-free or their their sentence is lessened. And then they penalize people in return. They, they rather actually criminalize gun owners, lawful gun owners, far more than they would like a mass shooter or someone who perpetrates a ghastly crime. That's what we see in California happen. And it's really depressing. As a native of California, I, I don't recognize the place and I, I would never move back there. I'll visit occasionally. And I have visited a lot in the last year uh, to do different business projects or visit some relatives that still live there, go to a friend's wedding. But it's policies like this that we're going to be talking about here on the show are what turned me off from you know having any hope that California will reverse course. Maybe lawsuits will help Maybe the people will galvanize together and and work together to stop this. Or maybe Gavin Newsom will realize this is even a bridge too far for him, but we don't really have much hope there. In any event, what they say this will do. So I'll explain also what excise taxes are too, because we do have excise taxes levied on guns and ammunition. I know some people listening may not like that as it currently stands. I like it for conservation funding and I think it doesn't infringe on your rights. And even if you were to see a removal of an excise tax, you wouldn't see the price of your guns go down. There's been no evidence of that from my conversations with manufacturers. And the industry, gun industry writ large, likes keeping the the current excise tax from Pittman-Robertson funds there. But what this does is it levies an additional, like we mentioned, 11%. So it makes it, gosh, it could be 21 or 22%. And all those monies are going to be going to, I believe, uh, here are the grant programs I'm reading from the Associated Press, so I have my details correctly. So it would go into effect, I believe, in the immediate future, and it would generate $159 million in revenue annually, according to the California Department of Tax and Fee Administration. They say the first $75 million from this levying and collection of excise taxes would go to the California Violence Prevention and Violence Intervention and Prevention Grant Program, and they said in 2020, the program funded projects targeting young people in gangs, sports programs, life coaching, and tattoo removal, and they say the next $50 million would go on to the Department of Education to enhance safety at public schools, including physical security improvements, safety assessments, after-school programs for at-risk kids, mental and behavioral health services for students, teachers, and other school employees. Nothing really to harden schools and not make them soft targets, not surprisingly. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to compete with this conservation model. That's my kind of reading into it Mm -hmm. to divorce sportsmen from actual gun safety, which is this longstanding connection. Like I said, I know some people don't like excise taxes, but uh, they do fund public target shooting ranges. That's what I think people don't understand. And I think these monies can be better utilized. Of course, state agencies can improve how they allocate and, and use that money. But compared to, let's say, other 
types of taxes out there. It's pretty broadly supported. People do see kind of a positive impact and it doesn't really affect you personally or infringe on your rights with that. Because like I said, you do have target shooting, but this would be, I think any raising of what the existing fee is would be an infringement. So this levying of another 11% or there's a federal companion to raise the excise tax rate to like a thousand percent, which is unheard of. And so that is why it it's being conflated and, and being interpreted as a poll tax. So they're specifically doing it to make it harder for people to purchase firearms in this instance. But of course, there's going to be exemptions. A law enforcement's not going to get this. And it's going to impact people, from my understanding, who have... Oh, and it won't apply to businesses with sales of less than 5000 over a three-month period. So of course, they're exempting certain people, certain interests. But a lot of people who are regular gun buyers or ammunition buyers are certainly going to feel the effects. Mm-hmm. But it's going to it's going to force businesses to raise their prices and if they were to heaven forbid do a thousand percent excise tax, that will put people out like gun shops will never exist again. That will never pass. But even these little incremental increases like a 11 percent tax that they're doing, it will have a direct impact on these businesses. It will infringe upon people's rights. And then simultaneously, that funding to conservation will disappear, too. And in California, they have a really big problem struggling to attract people to go hunting, to do shooting sports. So I don't know where the state wildlife agency is like condemning this because this affects their budgeting and it affects so many different things. Like you, you claim you want to protect animals. You want to do this, like these monies that come from excise taxes go to help, you know, restore certain populations of wildlife species. They help make sure you can do, you know, different types of opportunities, whether it's, you know, restoring a habitat, helping with a wildlife, you know, program restoration program as well so they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot here and it's going to cause more financial pain for california gun owners who are so burdened already Mm -hmm. like to jump through the hoops that they do already to have to go through a background check for ammo if it hasn't already been stopped through the court and have to do so jump through so many different hurdles hurdle upon hurdle to exercise their rights safely and responsibly and then there's also another bill too and i don't know if we talked about it last time but they had prohibited in California the marketing of firearms to those under 15, which is absurd. Like this, this, this infringes on like the business's right to do this. It's a free speech violation to hurting and infringing companies' ability to, to market to kids. They say like it's marketing gun violence to kids, showing them how to use guns in a safe and responsible manner. And I'm just like, what in the world? And so there's challenges to that too. But California is not going to stop one crime with this measure. They'll rake in a lot of money. I think a lot of these monies are going to go towards gun control groups. If it's not going to be going to these so-called gun violence prevention entities, I think there's going to be a lot of fraud and waste entailed with these safety programs that they're touting as well. That's what you can expect from California and, and just how they steward money very poorly and how they overtax people and they just have corrupt people in charge of these entities. It's expected to be not implemented very well. That's the case with any gun control legislation, but also California's ineptness as a state Mm -hmm. government. And so it is really concerning. And are we going to see this pop up in different states? Absolutely. You'll see more blue states. I wonder, I don't know if it would pass in Colorado because you guys have a stronger Second Amendment presence, I would say, than California. And maybe you can twist your governor's arm and be like, this would be catastrophic. Don't do this. And maybe you could wield more influence in Denver. It's unfortunately, I mean, you know, we're all, I keep fighting for Colorado, but a lot of gun bills passed, a lot of anti-gun bills passed recently. And so, you know, a lot of them are getting signed October 1st. 
it hasn't really been looking too great for Colorado either. So I don't know. That's why I've said this in the past. Like if people think that their state is safe, I don't think at this point any state is safe. And it all is just like, it's just trickling down. Yeah, it's, I don't know. You may see this in Colorado. Then. Yeah, I know. I know. As <laughs> I'm listening, as I'm listening to you, I'm just like, uh, you know, and it's just like, it's really hard to just sit here and I'm trying not to like roll my eyes because obviously, you know, I'm rolling my eyes for nothing because you can't even see it. But I just don't understand why people think that this is okay and, and how they don't see all of the, you know, negative effects of this. But it is what it is, I guess. Okay, so we're running out of time. I want people to know, though, you know, if they want to follow you on social media or they want to check out your podcast, where can they find you for all that stuff? The podcast is District of Conservation. It's on all players out there. Not hard to miss. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And what what is Twitter now? X. I really don't like it being I know, X. I know. I would, I I would know. prefer it to go back to Twitter. Well, and then what do you say? Like today I posted an X and uh, yeah. <laughs> it sounds very inappropriate. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> what yeah. is X? I, I'm like, you can't, sorry, I think it's just like basic marketing 101. Like you can't yeah. change the name of a company that's been around for years. Yep. And I think it's coming to bite him in the butt, unfortunately. Yeah. And I know he's lost a lot of investors and advertisers. I mean, if he was smart, he would be like, hey, gun industry, you guys can be my advertisers, mm-hmm. you know, but he's not looking there, but he's having a hard time, I think. And some of the stuff has gotten worse, I would say. But besides the point, yes, I'm on all the platforms. I have a YouTube account, which I'm trying to populate more frequently. And I have newsletters, all of the above. But on social media, anyone interested can follow me. And I usually post to all those links. And I'm happy to connect. And and they can follow along and see, you know, if I do get to go shooting this fall. Mm -hmm. And if I get to bag some deer and maybe catch some fish successfully, if I haven't already. And so, no, I I like to showcase what I'm up to. I'm going to be doing a lot of events here in the D.C. area very soon, speaking engagements, things of that sort. And so a lot of exciting things happening that deviate a little bit from firearms, but they do go back to it in terms of the underlying, you know, kind of message behind what I do. Um, And I I will try to talk about firearms more, but it's really an interesting time we're in. And I'm always happy to come on to shows like yours to talk about this. And I feel like we could talk about so much more because there's something probably lurking in the background. Oh, I know. Some bill that we're not aware of. Yeah, absolutely. That could pass. And we know executive action is on the horizon too. Like we're always threatened Mm -hmm. with executive action by Biden and company. And so we have to look out for that. Gabriella, as always, it's such a joy to have you on the show. Um, And I do appreciate you coming on. You're going to stay with me for the rest of the show, but I just want to reiterate probably something that I told you off air, but I'm always just so impressed with everything that you're doing. And even though you don't talk about guns as much, I mean, you still are very active and you're fighting the good fight and you're on our side. And I'm just really proud to have you on our side. So keep up the good work for those who are listening. Definitely give Gabriella a follow, check out her podcast. And yeah, I appreciate it. And then we're going to go into talking about IWI real quick. Gabrielle, I don't know if you have any experience with IWI's products, but they did come out with the Masada Slim in the last couple of years, I think in the last two years. It's one of my favorite guns to carry. Very similar to like a P365 and a P365 XL in terms of the size, but it holds 13 rounds or 10 round mags if you live in restricted states. The barrel is like three 
5.6 inches long. It's optic ready. It shares the shield optic footprint. So you could use like the Holliston 507K, the Romeo Zero, and other similar micro dots. I think it shoots really well. It has a lot of like very little recoil for its size. If you guys want to check it out, head on over to IWI.us. Don't forget if you are on their website and you check out their web store, anything that you want to buy in the web store, you can get 15% off. All you have to do is use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Today in politics, I don't know if you've checked out this story, but like a little while back, I did talk about how, I think it was back in July, Morehouse Enterprises in North Dakota, they teamed up with Gunners of America in the first lawsuit filed to fight the ATF's illegal frame and receiver rule. That rule has been vacated and then halted by SCOTUS pending a higher court appeal. But if you remember, though, right after the Morehouse and GOA suit against the rule was filed, ATF responded by conducting the store's first inspection. The industry operations inspector, the IOI, Jacob Temp, jokingly told the store owner that the ATF discussed whether the inspection would look like retaliation for the court case or not. But then they actually followed through with the inspection. The IOI's report said the store did well on their overall level of compliance and expressed approval for the job the shop has done to ensure they followed ATF regulations. Every single firearm was accounted for. All 2,700 guns that the store acquired were documented. So were all 2,400 depositions of firearms. The shop felt good about the inspection, but that was all about to change. On March 6th, the ATF issued a report of violations where they found five policy violations, three of which were simple paperwork errors, and the other two were transfer mistakes over the rules of neighboring states. Under normal circumstances and under the internal ATF rules of Biden's zero tolerance policy, these violations only merit a warning conference. But ATF notified Morehouse Enterprises on May 23rd that they were revoking both of the company's FFLs, even though the second FFL didn't have any violations whatsoever. Morehouse then teamed back up with GOA and sued ATF over this. Since all of this has happened, ATF now has finally backed it down on revoking Bridge City Ordinance, which is the second FFL of Morehouse Enterprises. I'm not sure what happened to the first, though, if they're still going to revoke that. But um, at least they backed down and, and this guy or this company didn't get both of their FFLs taken away. So a slight win, although still extreme overreach and overstep for uh, from ATF. I know that there was the raid in the Montana gun store, too. I recall that as well. But I, I think I did briefly hear about what happened in North Dakota. It's unsurprising. Yeah. The ATF is out of control I know. <laughs> to put it lightly and um, they seem to be targeting people and shops in particular more than they would i would think hardened criminals who are perpetrating crimes i know but right? it seems like a common thread yeah absolutely caldwell Caldwell. So recently I just got uh, some mail from UPS and I was like, you know, it's all big and then thin. And I'm like, what is that? And it's super heavy. And of course it was from Caldwell. They sent me the new steel that they have. One is a prairie dog. 
There's a prairie dog, a deer. I'm trying to think. I saw it at SHOT Show what the other ones were. But so far, those are the two that they were sent to me were it was the deer and then the prairie dog. Really excited to check these out. They came up with a bunch of, you know, different shapes and sizes and stuff like that. But in my opinion, I think they have some of the best quality, most affordable steel out there. So if you guys are looking for, you know, something fun to shoot at because I know paper gets boring, definitely check out the steel targets that they have. They're priced very well. And then on top of that, if you use the code GUNFUNNY10, all one word, you're going to get 10% off. And that is CaldwellShooting.com. Tactic Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Today in Tactic Talk, so Angsted Arms. Hopefully I'm saying that. Angsted Arms. I actually have some of their stuff, but I guess I never realized, you know, I never really concentrated on how it's pronounced. But anyways, they just came out with the Vanquish, which actually looks really cool. So it's a new baffleless, integrally suppressed 9mm AR designed called the Vanquish. Instead of traditional baffles, the barrel is ported, which are covered by the suppressor shroud. In other words, a bunch of ports inside of a full-length tube to contain the expanding gases. One cool thing about this, since there's no baffles, there's no possibility of a baffle strike since the bullet is inside the barrel for the entire length, which if you've ever had a baffle strike, that sucks. (laughs) I personally have never experienced one, but I could imagine it would definitely, you know, you just ruined your suppressor. Another really cool thing, they've designed it to make standard 115 grain ammo subsonic by having more ports in the first six inches of the barrel. That way, more gas for faster burning powders is blown off quicker, so it doesn't gain enough speed to be supersonic when it exits the barrel. There are more ports further along the barrel for powders with slower burn rates, like 150 grain subsonic. In other words, it'll run with basically any 9mm ammo and be subsonic no matter what you put in it, which is freaking awesome. Another great feature about this ported barrel and shroud design is it also eliminates round pop. Angst is planning on offering it for multiple options for like SBR, rifle, complete uppers, and just barrels slash shrouds. You might ask, okay, so is it legally a suppressor since there's no baffles? Unfortunately, it is, which means that you are going to need a tax stamp for it. So there is that hoop to jump through, but I guess not the end of the world. They are going to have this at TriggerCon, from my understanding, which I'm heading to tomorrow. I'm definitely going to check this out on the range and hopefully post a video of me shooting it. Smith & Wesson. So, Gabriella, I think the last time I talked to you, you said the first handgun that you ever got was a Smith & Wesson, correct? Correct. Which one do you know which one you got? Was it MP Shield? I think maybe the 2.0. I got it when I turned 25. So that was what, 2016? Ooh, a while ago. <laughs> oh, girl. I don't even. So I just toured the Air Force Academy in Colorado. And I was like thinking back to my college years. And then I was like, wait, that was almost half my life ago. <laughs> <laughs> and I just felt so old. So yeah, <laughs> you're like, oh, 2016. Yeah. Okay. Well, we don't, we don't have to include that in there, you know, no, <laughs> but so I'm assuming you still have the handgun. Of course I do. Yeah. I like, I don't think there's like a few guns that I've gotten rid of, I guess, over the years, but it's very few and far in between. And that was more like in the beginning, but now whenever I get a gun, I just hang on to it. But 
I love the shields, especially the 2.0 like models out there. They have, if you look at the MMP 2.0, they have all kinds of sizes, different uh, size grips, different length of barrels, lots of different options, and they all shoot great. And then they have large mag capacity as well. So if you guys are looking for like a quality handgun, maybe the shield, if you're looking for concealed carry or just the MMP series, just for like home defense or just have fun with on the range, definitely check it out. That's smith-wesson.com. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. All right, today's AF segment. So I had to share this because I'm still so annoyed. So Peaches is banned from Petco. And you might think like how, because she's just so adorable and who would want to ban a cute little puppy? And Gabrielle, I forget. Do you have any dogs? I don't know. Okay. Probably because you travel so much. I'm an aspiring dog owner, though. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing I hate when I travel because then I have to drop her off at the babysitters. Although she has a really great babysitter, which helps. But let's go back to like in January. I had just gotten back from SHOT Show. Anytime, because I'm such a clean freak. So anytime that I pick Peaches up from the babysitters, there's like kids there. And I always feel like she feels a little sticky because I think the kids like pet her with like, you know, sticky hands. And so I always like to take her to the groomers. So picked her up from SHOT Show, took her to the groomers. And I always get all these add-ons like, you know, her teeth brushed, her uh, nails cut and grinded, all kinds of stuff, all these upgrades. And anyway, so dropped her off. And like 15 minutes later, my phone goes off and it says she's ready to be picked up. And this also should include a bath. So I thought that was kind of weird because it normally takes at least 45 minutes, if not longer, to do everything. I picked her up, took her home, and I was looking at her nails, and I'm like, they don't even look like they were grinded. Like, it just looks like it was cut. Anyways, Petco always sends an email, like a follow-up email, like with a questionnaire, like, how did we do? So I filled out the questionnaire, and I told them that, like, I didn't feel like the quality was really that great and that the appointment only lasted 15 minutes, so I felt... Like, it was a little hard to believe that they did everything, or if they did, it was like, you know, definitely rushed. Sent that off. I get an email from the store manager of the grooming service department, and she basically is like, you know, thanks for your email. Because you're dissatisfied with our service, we recommend that you take her to this other grooming salon that's essentially a competitor that's in the area. And I was just like, what? Like, you know, as a gun store owner and a businesswoman, if any of my employees sent a potential customer or a customer to another store that especially was, you know, when I was more than capable of doing it, I would be mad. I would probably fire them. So I thought that was really weird that she basically told me to go somewhere else. So now backtrack to this past week, I have to drop peaches off the babysitters. Her nails are really long. I don't feel right just dropping her off with such long nails. And I will groom her when she gets back. I haven't seen Petco since, like for grooming, but they're right up the street from me. And I figured, you know what? I know I could just walk in, get her nails cut. So I called Petco and just asked like if they have an appointment or if I could just walk in, you know, to get her nails cut. And they were like, yeah, you know, what's your number? And what's the dog's name? And they're like, oh, she's banned from here. You're going to have to go somewhere else. Crazy. And I was like, what? Like, I don't even, I'm so... I don't know. I'm just baffled by this whole thing. Companies uh, are crazy these days for for no reason. Well, and it's it's also not even like I went on like Google and like wrote a bad review. Like they sent me a questionnaire and I filled it out and I was honest. And I felt like if anything, it was constructive criticism. (laughs) 
Do you think they researched your gun activity? I don't know. You know, like some of these companies do now, which is really creepy. Yeah. I don't know. So So, long story short, I'm definitely boycotting Petco. Normally, like (laughs) if I would like, you know, go through like if I was close by and Peaches needed food or something, I don't really care where I go. If it's PetSmart, Petco, whatever. But now I'm just like, man, screw Petco. But yeah, actually, that's like that's kind of interesting. I do wonder if if they did, you know, my name came up or I mean, I'm like my name is somewhat recognized in Colorado. And I wonder if somebody that works but you there, also promote adoption. Oh, I know. So why would they have an issue with that? Too? I know. I love animals. That's why I'm just like, this is ridiculous. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm like debating. I'm like, do I even contact like, you know, like corporate about this? Cause I'm just so mad. But then I also kind of feel like a little bit of a Karen if I did. So I just figured I'd come on my podcast and talk about it. And I, you know, and I'm already starting to feel a little bit better about it. <laughs> Go to PetSmart then. I know that's, that's what I'm going to Or a smaller do. shop, or, shop small, maybe yeah, a small business. Exactly. I think like just for like walk-in nail cut or to get food, I'll probably just go to PetSmart. But I did find a, a different groomer that's somewhat close and they do a lot better of a job. So anyways, that is my story. All right. Well, now last uh, sponsor to hear from Franklin Armory. They make a bunch of different binary triggers for lots of different platforms, including the CZ. The trigger is made to be compatible with the new Evo 3 Plus and most of the older Evo 3 S's. If you haven't tried it, you definitely need to do so. Essentially, you pull the trigger and release it. And just by doing that, you shoot two rounds as opposed to one, which makes it binary. I've said this before, you are not obligated to only shoot binary. You could always just flip the safety switch so it's either safe semi or binary, and you have the option of doing all three. If you find a trigger that you want to buy, don't forget to use the code AVA. That's A-V-A, and that's going to get you 10% off your entire order. And then as far as reviews go, today there was no reviews. So if you guys are listening and you'd like to leave a review, I'd greatly appreciate it. Let us know what you thought about Gabriella or Peaches. If you guys are mad at Petco and you want to boycott Petco, let me know in the review. (laughs) And now it's time to wrap up. So if you guys want to support the show, greatly appreciated. Become a patron. You could do so by going to gunfunny.com. Contact us or just gunfunny.com. Click on the contact us form. Also wanted to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Say Holsters, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, Melissa Ridings, and William Knave. And Gabriella, can you just remind listeners once again where they can find your podcast and social media? District of Conservation can be found on, I think, most platforms, uh, Spotify, Apple, the usual suspects of podcast hosting. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, slash X, YouTube, have several newsletters. I'm also on LinkedIn, pretty visible on the Internet and really easy to find. I also have a website, GabriellaHoffman.com. You can see some of my past uh, case study work that I've done with clients. I feature all of my appearances, articles. I have to update my website a little bit. I'm behind, Uh, but I am all over the place and I would love to connect with anyone who thought I was interesting and compelling to hear from today. Awesome. All right. And Gabriella, thank you so much, especially for coming on short notice. I do really appreciate it. And anytime. Huge fan of yours. Keep up the good work. Likewise. Thank you. I'll talk to you later. Bye, Ava.
Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.